0: From KQED.
1: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, would you drink it? Water that's been flushed down the toilet and put back into drinking water pipes after being extensively monitored and treated? That's how California water regulators describe the steps they approved last month for turning wastewater into drinking water. The standards, which took years to craft and are the most advanced in the nation, they say, would add millions of gallons of additional drinking water to state supplies. We look at where we are along California's path to reusing more of its wastewater. Join us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Nina Kim. California last month approved new rules for turning wastewater into drinking water. While the state has, for years, reused treated wastewater for things like irrigating crops, making snow, watering golf courses, these new rules tell water agencies what steps they need to take to send treated wastewater directly back to people's faucets. So what are the steps, and how soon could this happen? And how much really would it add to California's water supply? We tackle all those questions this hour with water experts and policymakers. And joining me first is Darren Polimas, Deputy Director in the Division of Drinking Water at California State Water Resources Control Board. Darren, really glad to have you with us. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So, what exactly did the Water Board approve a month ago, and how significant is it?
4: You know, it's pretty significant. And in our mind, it's the final step of um, completing the continuum of different uses of water recycling. We've recycled for decades and decades, but now taking it all the way to drinking water in a in a very short period of time is certainly novel and new. Um, the regulations establish a whole series of things, uh, everything from the treatment techniques required, uh, what order they have to be in, how to do... Um, control of uh, chemicals coming into the wastewater system. So it's comprehensive kind of from the all the way from the wastewater creation through to when it's delivered to someone's drinking water taps.
1: So could you just give me the broad outlines of the process of scrubbing and filtering out the waste from the water to make it safe for drinking?
4: Yeah, I, I would love to do that. So first off, there's the normal wastewater treatment component that uh, happens. This is a biological process where bacteria are basically recruited and fed wastewater and uh, remove a lot of the pathogens and the biological components of wastewater. Kind of the next step in the kind of switching into then the where we start with the DPR rules then is uh, an ozone treatment. So um, ozone is great at uh, reducing organic compounds and um, followed by a biologically activated carbon uh, tank. Uh, this is more than just the carbon that's underneath their, you know, that is like an under filter or in your refrigerator door type. This, this actually has biological growth growing on it, makes it much more sticky. So kind of advanced carbon treatment. Then it goes to membrane filtration. Uh, this is really another removal process to get rid of uh, the larger bacterial particles and, um, really enhance then the following process, which is reverse osmosis. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard about reverse osmosis. It it pulls out a lot of chemicals, uh, anything of a charged particle type and the likes. That's followed then by uh, ultraviolet and uh, peroxide um oxidation, which is a a chemical reduction process. So we know from our studies that some things can make it through the RO membranes. And so we need another step to make sure that those chemicals that are known to make it through are rendered harmless. Uh, And then finally, we treat it with free chlorine, another oxidizing chemical commonly used in all drinking water uh, to reduce any pathogens and uh, can kind of do a final oxidation step. Then then it can be delivered to people. So lots of steps. And I think one of the key things to remember is that there's actually a triple redundancy of uh, each, either a pathogen path or a chemical reduction path. There are three processes required for each. So failure of one means there's still two remaining to do their job. Wow. So
1: then you'd be 100% comfortable drinking this water.
4: Absolutely. It'll be... Far and away, the best water served within the state of California. It's interesting because we start from a standpoint of assuming that it's got everything in it, and then we throw every known treatment at that. Um, and so, at the end, we're confident that it's. Um, in fact, in, in fact, we're you know some we we take out stuff we have to put back. Some minerals are removed in the RO that actually would make the water taste bad. So uh, we've taken out so much we have to put <laughs> some back to make it actually taste good.
1: Wow. Um, well, let me ask our listeners, would you drink it? Are you comfortable drinking it? What questions or reactions do you have about the steps, the plans to turn wastewater into drinking water? You can tell us by emailing forum at org. You can find us on our social channels at KQED forum. We're on X Instagram, in our digital community on Discord. You can call us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. And Paul, of course sounds like they'd be fine with it because paul writes water has been more or less endlessly recycled for billions of years is it likely that at least a few molecules of the water in your coffee this morning were
4: once dinosaur pee
1: i think i saw that on a pbs cartoon actually that it is in fact dinosaur pee.
4: It, we've been recycling it for years and a lot of people don't realize as well there's wastewater treatment plants upstream of the rivers that we take water from um obviously it goes through some dilution but um yeah, we've been we've been drinking recycled water for many a decade.
1: So let me get Sean Bothwell into the conversation. Sean is executive director of California Coastkeeper and co-sponsored the bill, the assembly bill that was signed into law in 2017 that prompted these new regulations. Sean, glad to have you with us, too.
3: Yeah, thanks. Thank you for having me.
1: So. We've been hearing how this this regulatory process. these rules were years in the making. Why did it take so long, and did it have anything to do with helping people sort of get over whatever you know it concerns they had about about wastewater becoming drinking water?
3: Yeah, I certainly think the general public uh, when we first started doing you know the recycled water policy in two thousand and nine. Um, and then legislation starting in 2010, um, certainly had some confidence issues with recycled water, Um, but I have to hand it to the recycled water industry. They've really put a lot of energy, uh, a lot of resources into communication and educating the public. Um, Individual facilities have done an excellent job of uh, reaching out to the public to teach them about essentially everything Darren said of all the safety measures that are taken, um to make this water safe and so that certainly was something that needed to be overcame over the last decade i would say um but there were other factors that you know took some time um scientific and yeah yeah, scientific engineering um you know research that needed to be done to get us to this point but I, i do have to say when we were working on this legislation and legislation before it Gen- the general concept was that we were going to get to direct potable reuse for a lot longer. 2030, even 2040, were some of the numbers being thrown out. So, for us to get uh, to this point by 2024, um, I think it was pretty remarkable. And I have to hand it to the State Water Board, uh, the legislature. Um, and the water recycling industry for getting us here.
1: Cool. But I, I thought Orange County, for example, was already making wastewater potable. How are the rules, how is the system that it would help create different, Sean?
3: Sure. So, yeah, Orange County has been really the international leader, I would say, Um I, I grew up in Orange County and I remember people coming from all over the world to tour that facility. They started recycling water uh, back in the 70s and putting it into the aquifer uh, there in Orange County. Oh, so putting um, it underground
1: so that, essentially, yeah.
3: Yeah, essentially. And so that, that really is the biggest difference between what they were doing um, and these direct potable reuse regulations is there was an environmental buffer. Um, and so that project was approved, um, but the regulations to do groundwater replenishment Um, actually weren't adopted until 2014, so that the whole state had a, you know, consistent way to be regulated. Um, And before that, they could do it on an individual basis. But that's really the key difference, was there was this environmental buffer that would um, provide kind of a safety net if something went wrong.
1: I see. So Darren, can you say a little bit more about that? So basically what Orange County would do is it would take its wastewater, go through this process of treating the wastewater, and then it would put it in an aquifer. I assume other places might put it in like a reservoir or something like that, so that it would kind of mingle with drinking water for a while or go through a a process of making it potable and then be pumped
4: to people? Yeah, that's correct. There are a couple. Uh, missing steps in what we call indirect potable reuse compared to the DPR um, schema we put forward. So, indirect potable reuse does exactly that. It's stored for a couple months, either in an aquifer or a reservoir. It blends with the the material, the waters around it, um, and it gives us time to make sure you know there wasn't a problem with it before we it actually is pumped back out and retreated, ironically, and then served to people. So with DPR, we don't have that. We it's very quick. It can be you know a matter of days or hours from wastewater coming in at the front to drinking water coming out the other side, and those safety parts aren't there. So we've compensated with additional treatment, extensive monitoring all through the process, and then ultimately at the end, with what the regulations require is is if the water can't meet specifications, it has to be dumped and not served to the public.
1: So DPR, direct potable reuse versus indirect potable reuse, that's what Orange County's been doing. So, so Sean, like, what are the hopes for this? What are the goals that California has set for how much recycled wastewater um, can contribute to the water supply?
3: Yeah, I think one of the most important things about these regulations is by eliminating the need for the environmental buffer, you really are allowing all communities in California to recycle their their wastewater so I'll give you an example San Diego for example uh doesn't really have an aquifer doesn't have a groundwater basin to pump this uh you know indirect potable reuse into and so they really didn't have that option back when Orange County was doing it um these new regulations allow any community in California, uh, to be able to recycle their wastewater. So now really no one has an excuse to not do it, particularly when we're facing climate change um, and a drought. Um, the goals under the recycled water policy at the State Water Board um, currently are 1.5 million acre-feet by 2020 and 2.5 million acre-feet by 2030. Now that's for all recycled water, not just potable reuse. Um, but, the you know, there's a lot of potential potential um, to really use these direct potable reuse regulations to get us to those goals, particularly for ocean wastewater discharges. Uh, When you think about it, um, wastewater discharges that are more to a river or a freshwater system, those are needed for downstream users. Hmm. But the ocean, it's a complete waste to be discharging it into the ocean. And so by recycling it, we are turning a waste into a resource and something California Uh, desperately needs as we're facing climate change.
1: So that much by 2020 and 2030 is kind of soon. So we already hit some of our goals, Darren.
5: We're
4: close. We're working hard to get those early goals. The goals in 2030, um, you know, we're not too far from those. The the distant ones will be a stretch. There's a lot of people getting ready to do that. And I think we can Mm -hmm.
1: Well, we'll have more about new regulations to try to use more of California's wastewater, reuse it, and we'll hear from you after the break, listeners. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
1: This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about new regulations approved last month by the State Water Board that lets water suppliers treat wastewater and put it right back into drinking water pipes. And we're asking you, our listeners, if you would drink it, what questions or comments do you have about the process? Maybe you are from a city or community or maybe a company that already recycles its water. What do you think? What's your experience? Do you notice any differences <laughs> in the water? You can email forum at kqed.org, call us at 866-733-6786 or post on our social channels at KQED Forum. Darren Polimus from the California State Water Resources Control Board is with us. Sean Bothwell from California Coastkeeper as well. And so as Kate, Kate writes, bring it on. I trust the science and we need to get ourselves used to this idea. Mitigate and prepare for the water crisis that is almost certainly coming in the future. Let me go to Thomas in Oakland. Thomas, you're on.
0: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to say that as a chef, I think that the idea of reusing water in this way is kind of akin to how we, we, we reduce food waste. We don't, you know, waste food scraps necessarily. We, you know, make stocks or whatever. And it seems like this would be the the purest water that you could work with. So, you know, why wouldn't? Why wouldn't you?
1: Yeah, because it would be so gone through such a process, though. Martina on Discord wonders, right now San Francisco and Oakland's water comes from way up in the Sierras and has zero microplastics in it because those sources haven't been exposed to plastics. There are microplastics everywhere in our waste system, and recycling that water will also have microplastics. Is that being considered here? Yeah, what would happen to microplastics? Will this process filter those out, Darren?
4: Yes, it definitely will uh, remove microplastics, um, and I would challenge a bit to say that uh, we're, we're not certain yet what surface waters collect from microplastics. A lot of microplastics are blown around in the atmosphere and depositing. Uh, we have some early detections in High Sierra Lakes. Uh, we haven't done an extensive testing on that yet. That's a program we're actually working on now. Uh, in about another year and a half, we'll have a lot of good data around uh, microplastics that are that are present in the environment and you know what happens with them when water systems treat to remove them. Even a normal wastewater treatment process removes a lot of microplastics uh, down to a certain level. The really tiny ones, probably not, and there's some more science to be done there.
1: Well, I want to bring Heather Cooley into the conversation. Heather is director of research at the Pacific Institute. Heather, thanks so much for being with us.
2: Hi, Mina. Thanks so much for having me today.
1: We were hearing Kate talk about the water crisis that is sure to come. And that's why Kate's 100% behind this and happy to drink uh, recycled wastewater. Could you remind us, just step back for a second, the scale of the water challenges that California is facing?
2: Yeah, that's a great, great question. And I think important context for, for this conversation um, you know, we are are really uh, our water supplies are constrained in California, and we're increasingly uh, ex- seeing that we, we have ecosystems, for example, in the Sacramento San Joaquin Delta, uh, for which we are extracting too much water. Uh, there, you know, if we look to the Colorado River, as an example, and so, which is an important source for Southern California, a recognition that we don't have as much water from that system and won't in the future. Uh, if we look to our groundwater, we realize we have been overtapping uh, our aquifers, taking too much out of them that can be replenished. Um, and that's where we are now. Uh, and as Sean w- mentioned, as we think about climate change, with climate change, we are seeing hotter and drier conditions, and we are seeing more frequent and intense droughts. Uh, We have been experiencing uh, intense droughts here in California. There was the 2012 to 2015 drought. We then had another drought shortly thereafter, starting again in 2018. These are much more intense, much hotter droughts than we've had in the past. Uh, And, you know, we are looking at reductions in our snowpack from warmer temperatures, even when we do get the precipitation, it's coming as rain rather than snow. Uh, So, you know, we we really need to be uh, proactive in preparing for a future of far less water from our rivers, our streams and our aquifers uh, and looking to alternatives like recycled water, uh, looking to water conservation and efficiency, capturing storm water to help improve, uh, diversify our water supply portfolio and help to make water supplies more reliable and resilient going forward.
1: So then how much of a dent could water recycling, wastewater reuse, turning it into drinking water, make uh, in terms of helping us, you know, mitigate water shortages, have a stable water supply? Because right now, at least the numbers that I look at doesn't seem like it's contributing a ton.
2: No, you're, you're, you're right. It's not yet contributing a ton. And, and we're not on track, I would say, to meet our 2020 goals uh, that, that you had talked about. We're currently recycling about 730,000 acre feet um, every year. Uh, and that's equivalent to about 650 million gallons every day. Uh, About half of that is for agriculture, and the remainder is for largely irrigation. Uh, Some of the things you mentioned early on, flushing toilets in some buildings, Uh, irrigating landscapes, cooling towers, those sorts of uh, non-drinking water water uses. Um, There are a handful of communities, we talked about Orange County, that are are using recycled water for drinking water uh, by recharging aquifers or their reservoirs. Um, But overall, uh, from some work we've done, we we estimate that we're recycling just about 25% of the wastewater we're generating. Uh, every year. In Calif- in the Bay Area, it's even less, just, um, just 9% of the wastewater we're generating. So we've identified at the Pacific Institute in our research an opportunity to triple our current reuse levels uh, to help, again, re- enhance resilience for those communities.
1: Well, let me go to caller Catherine in Marin. Catherine, you're on.
0: Thank you. In Mill Valley and Marin, we really need water. The question is, The resistance is not just what you know—the fact that we can drink it. I totally would drink it. It's the cost of pushing that last water through the last process with reverse osmosis. Apparently, it takes so much energy that is a very high cost. Have things improved so that the cost would not be so high? How
5: can we overcome that bias?
1: Thanks, Catherine, for that question. Yeah, Darren. So. Heather is laying out that we do need to increase the amount of water that we reuse and, and using wastewater for drinking water is a really important part of that. But who can really afford to do it? What cities can really afford to do this? Because the cost of this process that you're describing does sound very, very high.
4: Yeah, it it's not a cheap process, for sure. But what we need to look at is like what is the cost of the next increment of water that a community could get um you know we're already pulling water from distances like the Colorado River and others there are we'd have to go farther distances to find sources like that if they were even available and really they're already probably used People often think of, well, we got the ocean right there. Let's run desal. And that's where a lot of the RO costs come in. The ocean's at 35,000 parts per million salt. That takes a lot of energy to get out. Wastewater's more somewhere in the 500 to 1,000 parts per million salt. The RO is a little less expensive. Generally, when we look at costs, we're thinking that a direct potable reuse type of project uh, could deliver water in the range of like $1,000 to $1,200 per acre foot. Desal that's happening today costs around $21 to $2,200 an acre foot. So about half the cost of what desalting ocean. And a community is going to face a large cost, but that's what's that next incremental cost of water that's available to them?
1: Do you want to add anything about desal, Sean, just in terms of because we do have people who are wondering about this as maybe the better strategy to pursue?
3: Yeah, I I agree with Darren. Um, One of the reasons we are so supportive of potable reuse is because it's a far better alternative than ocean desalination. Uh, Darren brought up the cost, and I agree, it's about half the cost that desal would be. um, And communities are looking at ocean desal, and so we've always been big supporters of exhausting uh, potable reuse options first before turning to ocean desal. Plus, ocean desal comes with environmental impacts um, to to the ocean, to the communities surrounding it. So, um, we we've always been uh, more of a supporter of potable reuse for, for those reasons.
1: Sean Boswell Me- is head of uh, California Coastkeeper. Heather, is that you? You want to weigh in too?
2: Yeah, that would be great. Thank you so much. Um, you know, we've done a lot of work uh, at the Pacific Institute looking at the cost of various alternatives. Um, and and what we find is consistent with what Darren has laid out. Uh, recycled water is more expensive than the, the supplies of the past, um, but it's important to look at what our alternatives are now. Uh, and it is it is more expensive, but it's less expensive than seawater desalination, uh, that process of removing salts, using that reverse osmosis, uh, putting it back into the system is, is quite expensive. And as Sean, I think rightfully pointed out, it's very energy intensive, but it's also Seawater desalination can also be damaging to the marine environment as we're taking in water, we're killing uh, marine organisms on the intake, uh, as we're then discharging the brine from the seawater desalination. That's then uh, increasing salt concentrations in the ocean. It's damaging to marine life there as well. Um, so recycled water, on the other hand, it's not only helping to augment diversify supplies, it's also helping to improve. Uh, environmental conditions, we're we're reducing nutrient discharge into our oceans, for example, Uh, that can help and into our Bay. Um, I'll I'll point to, you know, 18 months ago or so, we had the uh, massive uh, algal bloom here in the Bay and and the resulting fish die off. Um, Nutrient discharge from wastewater treatment plants was a contributing factor to that. So as we recycle and reuse that water, we're not only diversifying our supplies, augmenting our supplies, We're also improving environmental conditions in the Bay.
1: Because we're diverting more of that wastewater to recycling or drinking and so on. I see. Well, we have listeners weighing in about how comfortable they would be drinking the water, as well as questions about its cost and so on. Michael tweets, in San Jose, we have groundwater, surface water, imported water, and hetchy water. I would prefer that sewage water be percolated through the ground and then pumped up. Another listener writes, I've seen people online turning dirty water to fresh water for decades. They have these water filtration systems, then they drink the previous dirty water, same as the government is doing now to recycle water with better water filters. Though, Darren, who, what cities are implementing this. These regulations will allow water agencies and and their engineers now to design the systems that they will need to meet the rigorous standards that you just laid out. But who is actually doing this or in the process of doing this right now?
4: Yeah, the cities that are pursuing this at the moment are San Diego, uh, the city of Los Angeles, and then a partnership between Los Angeles County and Metropolitan Water District they're the most actively pursuing it. There are certainly others talking about it. I know there's uh, some talk in the Bay Area from uh, Santa Clara Water, um, Valley Water. They're, They're in the early stages of thinking about it, but the ones that are actively doing piloting, building stuff are the three I mentioned earlier.
1: Yeah. And the similarities between them is that they're very large cities and that they are in Southern California, unlike in Northern California, uh, which has a little bit more access to to water. So is this something, Sean, that really only big cities at this stage, at least, and with the costs that this would have, would it really be only big cities that are able to do this?
3: I don't know, necessarily. I know on the Central Coast... Um, there are a lot of communities looking at doing potable reuse because, you know, they're either not connected to the state water project or or another watershed where they're importing water. So their, their supply options are limited. Um, so I, I can foresee certain smaller communities along the Central Coast um, taking advantage of this at some point. What do you think, Heather?
1: Do you think this is something that small communities could afford to do?
2: Well, I think... Uh, I think I, I agree with Sean there, and that I I I think there are some communities, particularly in the Central Coast, there may be some regional types of projects that we see. Um, I think the way to think about this is really that this provides another tool, another tool and opportunity for recycled water. Um, it, it won't be appropriate for every community. Uh, not every community, I think, as you know, will will be able to afford it. Um, But it's another option as communities try to adapt to far greater, uh, more variable and uncertain water supplies. Um, In addition though, and this is the cost issue, I think we, we need to ensure that we are using water efficiently. Um, it's not water that we want to waste in part because of the cost, uh, efficiency tends to be even less expensive. And so we have to think about these strategies together. Uh, and I think that will help us ensure that we are, are able to right size these facilities. um, and it'll help reduce the cost and allow more communities to have access to it.
1: But, given the fact that it is a pretty hard thing to put in place, it'll require infrastructure development and so on, convincing communities and all the other steps, that's why, Darren, these are guidelines and not mandates, right? For water agencies?
4: yeah, these are you know, these are opt-in. pursue a project if you decide it's worthwhile for your community. And really the way we've structured them at the moment, because we're in the beginning stages, it would be difficult for a medium-sized or small community to take on a loan. Maybe in the future, when we have better online monitoring techniques and a better understanding of the process and some experience with it, those type of opportunities will become more available. And of course, we'll always uh, monitor the regulations and modify them as as that learning process goes along.
1: Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see which agencies take this up and, and who finds that it pencils out for them. But the ones that are already underway, how soon could they start? being able to directly recycle their wastewater and put it into the pipes for drinking water when could we see say the cities that are furthest along San Diego or LA do this
4: yeah so it's going to be about uh 2 or 3 years of just planning and design work i mean fitting these large works into the already compact cities and the meshing them with the wastewater facilities and finding real estate for them is going to be tricky um so that's that's going to take a big process and then construction themselves will be five or six years so we're probably somewhere between six to ten years before people are actually drinking this
1: well roy writes no way would i be comfortable drinking recycled wastewater the smell of recycled water in downtown san jose is horrid i understand drinking water would be more filtered but still no deal for me let me go to elka in fremont elka join us
0: uh, hi, my question and concern is uh, about the chemicals that are used to clean the water and how harmful that is, uh, and does that outweigh the mm. recycling benefits? I mean, I, I love the, re- the idea of recycling, but that's my question.
1: Yeah, well, I let me go to Sean first on that. Sean, the, this worry about the chemicals that are actually required to make it clean, are we just adding more? Chemicals.
3: <laughs> so uh, D- Darren's probably better answered in the question about the chemicals at you know, for the treatment process. One thing that I, we have worked on though over the years is uh, chemicals of emerging concern. So different, you know, antibiotics, for example, that are, that are in wastewater. And then once they get recycled, um, there's a concern from the public that that's going to still be in, in drinking water. And, you know, the state does an excellent job of working to to monitor um, those type of chemicals of emerging concern. And I would just say that those chemicals exist regardless of whether the water is recycled or not. Uh, Darren brought up the idea that, you know, we've been recycling wastewater for decades because a wastewater facility will, you know, discharge it upstream of a watershed and then we take it back out. Um, and so those, those chemicals are, are in our drinking water regardless of recycled water. But I think Darren can answer the, the question about the treatment process a little better.
4: Yeah, so interestingly enough, We don't add any chemicals in this new process that aren't already used in water treatment processes. So they're all highly known on how they react with the public and um, really nothing new. We're we're really more designing these processes to get rid of all of the extra chemicals like Sean's talking about and make sure that they're there. So, again, I'm highly confident it's the cleanest water we're going to have.
1: Well, Stephen wants to know if the final chlorination step is really necessary, and we can talk about that right after the break. We're talking about California's new rules for turning wastewater into drinking water, the treatment process, what agencies could take up, direct potable reuse or DPR, and uh, what it would cost, and the impacts. We'll have more on that after the break. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
1: This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking with some of the people behind new regulations for turning wastewater into potable water and talking about what role it could play in helping California deal with its water shortages. We're asking you, our listeners, if you have questions about the process of turning wastewater into drinking water, if you would be comfortable drinking it. Are you excited about the prospect of California reusing more of its wastewater or from a place that has already done this and have some experience you want to share? The email address is forum at kqbd.org. Our social channels are at kqbdforum. Instagram, X, Discord, you can call us at 866-733-6786. And as I was saying, Stephen writes, is the final chlor- chlorination step really necessary after all those other steps? Chlorination does not taste good, although our home filter like many will end up removing it. Darren.
4: Yeah, so this is leads to one of my favorite things of facts about drinking water and love to educate people on this one. So, before we chlorinated waste uh, drinking water provided to people, we had things like typhus uh, that were known to cause massive uh, deaths within communities. In fact, before 1918, when chlorine was started to be used, a well-run, well-run water system was uh, one that only killed 38 out of 10,000 people of its population. So acceptable death rates were there. After chlorination, we obviously were able to remove those pathogens and really make water healthy. It's been called probably the biggest public health revolution that happened in the last century when we started chlorinating water. That being said, there are some downsides from it, and we know about those. We work hard to try to limit the amount and just use just enough. A lot of systems will use um, a, a bank of ultraviolet lights first to do most of the pathogen kill and... That uh, certainly is a preferred way. And then we put just enough chlorine in there to carry out into the pipes because pathogens can actually find their way into drinking water systems in numerous ways. And we need to make sure that we keep it healthy all the way to the people's taps. Yes, the filter takes it out and some people prefer that taste. But I need to remind everybody, make sure you replace that filter per the manufacturer's guidance, because eventually, if you leave it in too long, it'll actually start to grow pathogens and can become a health hazard for you.
1: Let me go to caller Marsha in Santa Rosa. Marsha, you're on.
5: Yeah, my question is, what more can be done to prevent so much wastewater? I think there's a lot that could, could be done, and, and our efforts should be in that direction.
1: Mm, Marsha, thanks. Heather, let me go to you first on that. Just efforts to produce less wastewater. And, and I guess in many ways, just how traditional conservation stacks up against all these other strategies that we're trying.
2: Yeah, that's a great question.
1: I really appreciate
2: it. And and when we look at at wastewater, even, even with population growth in many areas, we are seeing the amount of, of wastewater decline in part because people are using water more efficiently in, inside their homes, inside their businesses. So... Uh, because of that, uh, and, we st- and we find uh, in our research that there's still tremendous opportunity uh, to reduce water use uh, in communities um, by 30 to 48%, in fact, despite all of the progress we made. Uh, so I do think that is a strategy we, we should employ. Uh, it's very cost-effective. Um, it helps to save energy, right? As we're using less water, as we're treating less water, there's an energy savings, a greenhouse gas saving, uh, reduction there as well. Um, So I do think it's part of it. I I sort of think of of it as we think on the energy side, as we think about energy efficiency and renewables, Uh, I think of water efficiency and recycled water uh, and, and and capturing of urban runoff as ways to help make our communities more resilient and prepare for climate change. Uh, So I I, I think in this instance, it's, it's about doing both Um, and, 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 you know, I think we can we can make tremendous uh, improvements there.
1: Sean, you know, as head of California Coastkeeper, can you tell us a little bit more about the effect of wastewater, treated wastewater on the oceans? Heather touched on this a little bit, but are how how dire is the amount of wastewater that's going to the ocean in terms of impacts?
3: Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, And I appreciate Heather bringing it up earlier. Um, because that's certainly one of the reasons uh, we're supportive of recycled water. It, it to the last person's question, it is a way to also reduce the amount of wastewater we have. Yeah. The problem is potable reuse. When you re- recycle it, there's still a, a what we call a brine uh, stream that gets discharged into the ocean. And right now, we uh, science is there's a lot of science and research being done, particularly in Southern California. Um, about the impacts of wastewater on the ocean, creating ocean acidification and hypoxia dead zones. And what those are is, you know, ocean acidification is known as a, a you know worldwide climate impact. But we are creating our own hotspots uh, right off the coast because of the nutrients that are being discharged in our wastewater streams. And so the science is showing that when we recycle uh, ocean wastewater that the um, the amount of area that is impacted by these dead zones um, is reduced, but it becomes more spotty, meaning um, the areas that are still dead zones become more acute, become more toxic. And so one of the big things we're now moving into now that these DPR regulations are done is when these facilities start to be built, that they be built um, while upgrading the wastewater treatment system to uh, remove the nutrients before it's discharged to the ocean, so that we can prevent these ocean acidification and hypoxia dead zones.
1: Mm. Let me go to Robert and Crockett. Robert, you're on.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, first of all, there's no new water on the planet. It's all recycled. And um, I believe in Silicon Valley, there is a prototype uh, factory treatment that uh, they use wastewater and it's 100% clean and such. uh Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But um, one solution is to blend it with uh, municipal water. So it's, you know, uh, three-tenths wastewater and the rest out of Hetchy Hetchy or something. Uh, have you heard about that factory? And astronauts drink 100% treated water.
1: Yeah. Well, I we were talking about how, yeah, it's mingled with existing... Water sources, groundwater reservoirs, and so on. Um, but I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Darren.
4: Yeah, he's right. I mean, even when we are likely to see direct potable reuse, it'll it'll largely be a you know part of a water portfolio where it's used in conjunction with other sources as we go along, and um, be be an important part of that portfolio.
1: Well, Greg writes, there's no way around this. We need to face the fact that we're running out of water. And another listener tweets, when I think of the things we do that will be considered absurd in a generation or so, using potable water to flush commodes tops the list. Ron wants to know, how will the quality of recycled water compare to bottled water from grocery stores? Ooh, I bet this is kind of complicated. But anyway, let me go back to you, Darren. (laughs) The quality versus grocery store water in
4: water bottles. Sure. So, um, one thing to note in California, uh, while the state of California regulates both bottled water and uh, drinking water that's delivered to the home, we actually have more rules and stricter limits for what comes out of your tap than what's in bottled water. Bottled water has to meet federal standards. California has 25 of the limits that the Fed set at a more uh, health protective level and we have 13 uh limits that don't exist in a federal uh regulatory schema so bottled water you know each company i'm sure pays attention to that so i i'm not an expert on where they're all at personally my own personal choice i drink tap water well, just well, to jump in, yeah, too, Heather, please
2: on, on that piece. You know, we look at bottled water. You know, much of it is is actually tap water, <laughs> um, and there, there may be some treat additional treatment that happens before it's put into the bottle. But uh, you know, it's very similar, and and often and, and often is tap water. Um, in addition, I, you know, as Darren rightfully pointed out, the requirements on public water systems are, are more rigorous. There's more reporting that's required. Uh, for example, uh, bottled water is regulated as, like a, as a food, uh, and, and it's, just not, it's just not as rigorous uh, reporting uh, requirements there. Mm. In addition, there's some new science that has come out just in the past month or so um, that found very high levels of what are being referred to as nanoplastics in bottled water Mm. we don't know the public health impacts there's no we don't have great evidence on that Um, but you know i i too like darren um drink tap water uh we have a tremendous you know we have a tremendous safe reliable tap water um, in our communities in the bay area and across california
1: Well, Roberto writes, I've worked with the SF Public Utilities Commission, researchers at UCSF, and community-based health advocates and educators to try to get more people to consume public drinking water. Because we know, based on the research, that public drinking water is safer than bottled water. Bottled water is only tested once or twice before being bottled, but bottled water in large cities gets tested. But public water in large cities gets tested thousands of times a day. Sadly, public drinking water doesn't have the billion-dollar marketing budget of bottled water companies, so people have been influenced to think the bottled water is healthier when it isn't. So it sounds like Roberto is definitely underscoring the points that you are making there are people, though, who are concerned about the environmental impacts of direct potable reuse. Alan wants to know, how much energy does it take to process the wastewater? Will we be adding to climate change in that
4: way? Darren? Yeah, we talked about earlier how, you know, it does compare with other things. It is an energy-intensive process compared to, you know, a standard surface water treatment plants, you know, or treating Hetch Hetchy water. There's no, no question about that. But the question is is you know how it compares with the next source that's available. And in that, guys, like we talked about earlier, it's definitely more efficient on an energy standpoint than using ocean water, desiling ocean water, uh, the components. So it it's certainly something of concern associated with it, and we need to keep an eye on that. Uh, but we think as it compares with others, it still presents a better choice for the environment.
1: Well, this listener wants to know if water isn't making its way back into the ground could it affect groundwater uh what do you think heather yeah so the question uh about sort of
2: treated wastewater and, and where it goes and i i think i think sean talked a little bit about this um you know for inland areas treated wastewater uh that's discharged into rivers or streams may be important for environmental flows and their systems. There may be downstream communities, frankly, that are dependent on that water. Uh, and so for those communities, they may not be able to recycle water because that water is, is already being used downstream. Um, for coastal areas, though, there are fewer, which is where the vast majority of Californians live, um, you know, the vast the, that water is, is generally available. There may be some, some instances here and there where that water is, that treated wastewater is critical for environmental flows, uh, even in the Bay Area, um, but we face far fewer constraints there. And so that's where another reason why I think we'll see more development of recycled water in those coastal areas.
1: Well, let me remind listeners, you are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're looking at how reusing more of our wastewater could help California meet its water goals, and the state has just approved new regulations. Last month, in fact, the State Water Board Put out regulations to inform water suppliers how they can treat wastewater and put it right back into drinking water pipes. Darren Polimas is with us, Deputy Director of the Division of Drinking Water at the California State Water Resources Control Board. Sean Bothwell is also with us, Executive Director of California Coastkeeper and co sponsor of the bill that. Prompted these new regulations. Heather Cooley is director of research at Pacific Institute, and you, our listeners, are joining the conversation at eight six six seven three three six seven eight six eight six six seven three three six seven eight six at our email address forum at kqed dot org and on our social channels at kqed forum. Mary in Walnut Creek, you're on.
5: Hi, I I just read that the European Union has said that the Republic of Ireland is not. Obeying their laws as regarding drinking water, they said that there's a chemical compound called I think it's trihalomethanes found in the drinking water at an unsafe level because of the use of chlorine to remove bacteria and contaminants, and that this is harmful to humans and the environment. So I'm wondering if the process that your your speakers are talking about is uh, aware of the. Rules and regulations used in the EU are they different from the the rules that are being used for this system, or are are they different? Because it seems that the use of the chlorine to remove bacteria is a problem to humans mm-hmm. and an environment.
1: Mary, thank you. Uh, Darren, could you yeah, up, this, Mary?
4: yeah, oh. this is definitely a great question. And so we we do have rules in California about trihalomethanes, and she's right; they're generated when. Chlorine is mixed with drinking water. So ironically, um, this treatment process, the direct potable reuse process, will remove what we call the precursors that chlorine combines with to actually generate the trihalomethanes. So it'll have a much lower trihalomethane production output than a standard surface water treatment facility will. And we monitor that trihalomethanes closely in California, almost all of the, well, all of the large water systems don't have a problem with it. We have some small water systems in California that struggle with how to handle that. And, um, you know, we work with them to try to make sure they get back into compliance when they fall out of uh, compliance with that limit.
1: Mike writes, California voters passed Prop 1, $7.5 billion for new water storage infrastructure that seems to have stalled in the last decade. Why should we focus on smaller projects like Toilet to Tap when larger projects are needed to stabilize our water supply for the future? How much water can we expect from recycling versus our projected needs? And how are we solving that gap? Darren, what do you think? I mean, in terms of water storage, because so much more water is coming down as rain instead of snow and so on, as Heather pointed out earlier, what's the status of that in terms of being a better strategy to focus our energies on?
4: Yeah, I think people often confuse water storage that we're talking about for the future as like generating actually more water. And the surface water storage that's being proposed really only enhances our ability to kind of use the sources we have. It doesn't really provide additional water in a large sense. The groundwater storage ones um, that we're working on in California will probably uh, help ameliate that. But you gotta remember, storage only happens when it rains. And with climate change and facing more extreme drought and, and a rainfall pattern that can be less predictable, you can have empty reservoirs. And we had those just a couple years ago. Wastewater will always be there. It'll always be generated by communities, and therefore it becomes a really important source to rely on using this technique of treating it highly for usage in those uh, circumstances where we really are facing a drought emergency and, and a low water usage.
1: Heather, I read a lot in the pieces that are talking about DPR, direct potable reuse, that it's more expensive than importing water. Why? Why is this more cost effective than importing water, or better than importing water?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think when we look at the co- part, of the issue with imported water, uh, and this is, is true if we look for Southern California, is that the imported supplies are coming are becoming less reliable. Uh, the amount of water that that Southern California is able to get from Northern California from the Colorado River, there's just less of it uh and 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 therefore they are looking at alternatives to those uh and so you know recycled water is one option efficiency stormwater uh, stormwater capture as well those are some of the local supplies that they can develop to help uh diversify their water supply portfolio and 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 increase their water supply reliability these are going to be far more resilient to climate change Uh, And so, you know, there is no more imported water to bring into California. We have we have tapped those out. And as Darren rightfully pointed out, there aren't places for new large dams. We've already taken too much groundwater. And so recycled water efficiency and stormwater are going to be the options that we that are most readily available for our communities.
1: Well, Heather Cooley of the Pacific Institute, John Bothwell of California Coast Keeper, and Darren Polimus of the California State Water Resources Control Board, thanks for telling us where California is along the path to recycling more of its wastewater. Mark Nieto produced today's segment. Thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.
0: Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation,